Look, you can say what you want about The Ultimate Fighter, but the fact of the matter is it has, at the very least, entertained me over the last two decades. The fights, yeah, okay, some of them sucked, and I get that the pranks and antics aren't for everyone, but there's also a bunch of dudes in a house embarrassing the heck out of themselves, and sometimes there's just nothing funnier than seeing a grown-ass man crying alone in the octagon. Season 31 has just been announced, so in that spirit, I'm Bailey in from MMA On Point, and these are the 10 most hilariously embarrassing things to happen on The Ultimate Fighter. Also, quick disclaimer, when I say embarrassing behaviour, I mean something the person would genuinely be embarrassed about. Ronda flipping off Misha, for example. Okay, sure, you might look like a dick, but pretty sure Ronda wasn't embarrassed by that at all. Another thing you might notice, quite a few of these are from the earlier seasons, and well, yeah, while I did actually go through every season, it's honestly true a lot of crazy stuff did happen back in the day, kind of why the show's gone downhill, in my opinion. Anyway, number 10. Norman Parisi gives France a bad name. Look, I'm not one for stereotypes, okay, but Frenchman Norman Parisi, during his fight to get into the show on season 11, self-admitted he wanted to change everyone's minds about the French apparently being soft. Look, I'm not about to argue with Cyril Garn, Imavov, or even Manon Ferro, even if I am English and the Battle of Agincourt was only 600 years ago. This was 2010, and Norman said he wanted to prove to everyone that fighting a Frenchman didn't mean it was going to be an easy fight. The mindset of people uh, about uh, the spirit of French fighter going to definitely change. In a good way. <laughs> Je ne sais pas, Norman. Je ne sais pas. He was fighting James Hammertree, a firefighter and an EMT who basically faced more scary things on a daily basis than most of us would deal with in our entire lives. He got Norman down and he beat the tricolor out of him. When Norman went back to the corner at the end of round one, there was no rallying cry. He immediately told John Hackleman he was done. You're not done. You better keep Imagine how he took that. I mean, not well. Even Chuck Liddell Cageside said it was embarrassing, and it kind of was, but especially because he'd made the statement about proving everyone wrong, Dana summed it up pretty clearly post-fight. He was going to prove to the world that the, the French aren't a bunch of pussies. Apparently after that he was terrorised so much he had to move out of Paris. People even stopped training underneath him. He actually made it back to the show on season 23 and fought for another chance to get into the house. He didn't win, but he did make it three rounds this time. Number 9. Akira Khorasani is from the streets. So one of my personal favourite seasons was Tough 14. Not just because it had Mikey B and Mayhem Miller going head to head, but because it was also the first season I ever watched. There was also quite a few characters, notably the street-fighting Swedish hardman Akira Khorasani. The artist who painted with his hands, not a brush, and who basically took every opportunity he could to remind everyone he was tougher than a $2 steak. Trying to battle me? Man, I come from the streets, brother. Honestly sounds like something Hamza Jemaya might say. He did the general dickhead of the season stuff, put seeds in everyone's gloves, harass people while they're in bed, even tried to arrange to fight bare knuckle in the garden at 7 o'clock. Sir, you want to settle We're going to fight bare knuckle We're gonna fight in sir. the garden today. We're going to fight 7 o'clock. But I mean, he wasn't embarrassed by that behaviour. The man is from the streets, okay? Well, there was that one part where he talked about Dustin Nice longing for his trouser snake. Yeah. You were longing for my but in his first fight, he did the kind of old fake tap, you know, but he carried on anyway and, and got the win. But everyone saw it at home. And cheating is not cool, bro, and not very gangster of you, if I'm honest. Then he also did it again in his next fight with Dennis Bermudez. He teamed up with Diego Brandao to try and knock out teammate TJ Dillashaw, but... You know, ultimately he got his comeuppance when Bisping was sick of the endless bullshit and decided to take it out on Akira, rubbing a sweaty jock strap all up in his face. Number eight, 
he's got titties. Rampage Jackson took the first season of episode 10 to assess the competitors, and he quickly established that one of the fighters, when he had some titties. He got titties. He got titties. He got titties. We've got titties. <laughs> Daryl Schoonover was his name, and as this was the heavyweight season, it was hardly surprising to find some manly mammary glands, but fuck me, did Rampage burn him for the whole season. He was kind of like a, you know, fat, pudgy guy, like a heavyweight, and he had some titties. At first, Daryl embraced it, but eventually started talking back, which turned out to be a pretty bad idea. I mean, this is Rampage Jackson we're talking about here, and when Shunova said he'd cut the weight to 205 and fight Rampage, he damn near started a fist fight in the gym. In the beginning, it was just fun, and then now uh, the tension's flared, and uh, I kind of wanted to hit him. It's just so hard to take someone seriously when they're calling the other guy titties, though. Daryl might not want to pick a fight with Rampage. He might want to take the titties thing and, you know, take it on the chin. I mean, he even wrote titties on his locker room door and creatively drew some areolas when they discovered there's two O's in Daryl's name. Eventually, Rampage went to apologize, but oh wait, before he did that, he gave one of Daryl's boobies a quick little squeeze, and boy, did he not like that. I mean, why would you? Come on, dude. Come on, titties. Come on. Come on, titties. Are you serious? Come on, titties. Once again, another fight nearly started before Daryl was saved by James McSweeney. Poor bloke, eh? Why do I feel like Rampage was going to pick on someone that season anyway? Just had to be the guy with titties, I guess. He didn't like that. He didn't like when I grabbed his titties. Felt good, though. Number seven. Food fuckery. One of the best things that they always say about the Ultimate Fighter is the fact you can pretty much write down whatever food you want and the UFC staff will go and get it for you. And almost every day during season eight, Team Nagera got together and ransacked Tom Lawler's fruit tray. But Tom decided to take matters into his own hands and distribute some urinal justice. Along with the rest of the team, they apprehended the next fruit tray and filled it up with as much piss as they could muster before covertly placing it back in the fridge. The next day, Ryan Bader swiped the fruit tray along with Felipe Nova and they went to town on it, sucking down all the fruity juices. Still can't wait for the season where Lyoto Machida's coaching, though. But I do it anyway because it's sterile and I like the taste. Okay. After any ingestion of bodily fluids on a reality TV show, one thing's for certain, it's only going to escalate from there. Despite being one of the main perpetrators behind Pissgate, Felipe Nova had no problem shouting his frustrations at someone had been eating his sushi. So obviously, Carl Kingsbury had the revolutionary epiphany. Dude, if we spunk on the sushi and he eats it. Yeah, that'll do it, Carl. But it was Dave Kaplan who happily scoffed it down. A couple of hours later and Kyle lets him know what he unknowingly ingested and the look on his face is pretty much priceless. As funny as this is though, it's also pretty good karma. Don't steal other people's food, yo. His only question, why would you do that? Honestly, I don't know, Dave. Number six, Hungry Anthony Gutierrez. You know, on season 18, Anthony Gutierrez came up with some pretty creative dishes. Hot sauce tortillas, giant ass turkey sandwiches, as much barbecue as he could scoff. Shit, it's pretty good. You don't have to make weight on this show. Uh, oh, wait a minute, you do. I mean, when they talked about Anthony's last opponent missing weight, he literally goes on about how he can't believe that happened. I can't believe that happened. <laughs> okay. But despite that, he told the cameras he was sick of everyone giving him a hard time. I eat healthy foods and I eat foods. And so I just feel like I'm getting way too much heat. I just want people to shut up and mind their own business. This is a team show though, mate. I mean, either way, he was fighting at bantamweight. So 135 pounds. He left the gym the day before the weigh-ins at 144, went home and according to Shayna Baszler, sat in the hot tub and drank water all night and then woke up at 145. Not a, not a good start. Davy Grant was already 139. Then he apparently drank a NOS energy drink on the way to the gym and he told Ronda when she arrived that he was already 142 pounds. After an hour and a half of sweating, he was, in fact, 143 pounds. So what followed was a last-minute grueling weight cut attempt. He eventually breaks mentally in the sauna, while Rondon and Edma just sort of look on with exactly zero sympathy. He finally admitted that he fucked up the last couple of days, and Dana absolutely spat him out as he had a free pass and didn't even have to fight once. It's crazy. 
This is the craziest one ever. Leave. Anthony himself admitted it was one of the most embarrassing moments of his life, but I think Manville the Anvil said it best. You should not feel proud. You should feel I'm a stupid idiot. Number five, Dave Kaplan. Indestructible. This is the ultimate fighter. So what else are you going to do when you lose? Get drunk, of course. So Dave Kaplan started pounding shots back at the ultimate fighter house with some of the other guys before eventually moving on to chugging each other's piss because I guess at this point in the season, if we're already eating jizz, piss is child's play. So my new idea is urine. Loads and loads of urine. It's not long before he's telling anyone that will listen. I cannot be knocked out. It's impossible. <laughs> I'll be back until it happens. Well, seeing as Tom had joined in on the piss drinking, he might as well help Dave test this theory out as well. I really didn't want to hit Kaplan, but sometimes you just got to do things that you don't want to do in life. Boom! Another hit has landed, and the next thing you know, he's snoring in his underpants. Incredibly, though, Kaplan was adamant he didn't get knocked out. Did he get knocked down? Oh yeah, but unconscious? Nah, that couldn't have been him. Guy loses, gets drunk, and gets KO'd by his teammate. Holy shit, I think we just bore witness to the fitness of the modern warrior. Number four, Jesse Taylor. Ultimate Fighter. Jesse Taylor didn't have the most exciting fights on the Ultimate Fighter, but by God did that man give us some watchable moments. Like the habit he developed in Season 7 where he just started pissing himself, what I can only assume was for our entertainment. That's not to say he didn't spend the rest of the season smashing balls with a hammer and getting about as drunk as anyone in tough history. Until more peeing. Lovely. But as hilariously embarrassing as that all is, well, maybe not for him, I guess, he actually made it all the way through a pretty tough competition and to the final of Season 7, where this time he only metaphorically pissed all over himself. To celebrate the end of the show, Dana took the kids out to Vegas. That's when Jesse Taylor got super fucked up, kicked out a limo window, started harassing women and screaming at casino security that he's a UFC fighter, okay? Dana tore him a new one on camera and all Jesse could do really was cry. I mean, no shit. You kind of threw your life away, dude. What you did here the last two days shows me you're not mentally ready to be in the UFC. Amazingly, he came back to the Ultimate Fighter 18 seasons later and slept James Krause to make it to the final. He won the show and fulfilled his destiny finally as the Ultimate Fighter. But then he immediately tested positive for clomiphene, was suspended one year, and then was just released from his contract. Number three, let Julian Lane bang. Some people get into fighting because they have no choice, others because they want to test themselves, find out what they're made of. Some guys, though, just want to bang, apparently. And trust me, no one wants to bang harder than Julian Lane. Until then, he basically spent almost every night getting drunk, taking his shirt off, and begging for a fight. Don't know if someone forgot to tell him, but he has to fight all these guys eventually anyway is kind of part of the competition. I mean, I think he literally squared up to everyone in the house. It might have been because he was the last pick on the team, but he even tried to fight the wall at one point. He finally did get to fight, but mainly due to his cardio, he didn't get the slugfest he wanted. Now, he was out of the competition. He definitely wasn't banging anytime soon, but that didn't stop Julian. It got to the point where Don Waters was literally hiding in the corner of his bedroom, brandishing a stick in self-defense. Lane's desire to bang grew so intense that only an equally drunk Michael Hill could look into the eyes of a straight killer like Julian, connect with the warrior within, and reaffirm to the beast inside him. I do. Let me bang, I man. do let you bang. Hey. Let me bang you too, man. I'll let you bang. Didn't stop him from screaming like a pissed off Wolverine, though. Julian, look me. Ah! Look me in the eye. This is bad. He also tried to bang again when he was back on the show nine seasons later. Pretty sure Tim Elliott was just trolling him, though. Number two, Game of Thrones. 
the weight cut is coming. Ah, really don't know where it all went wrong for Gabe Rudiger on season five. Before the show, he'd been the WEC lightweight champion. He defended it three times, but he showed up overweight. BJ gave him a stick about it from day one, but he was happily scoffing down ice cream cake the day before his fight announcement. After that, the pressure was on for him to drop from 173 to 155 pounds. First, Gabe had a cunning plan, though. He wanted a colonic to help, but as coach Tony D'Souza pointed out, I mean, you're worrying about getting tubes shoved up your ass instead of worrying about about fighting. Did that stop Gabe? No, it didn't. And we actually got to see him insert the tube himself. That's some good old-fashioned spike entertainment right there. Push out. If you're cramping, you need to get those gas bubbles out because they won't... Good, good job. Anyway, that didn't really help, so Gray Maynard and BJ locked him in the sauna. That's when Gabe started passing out, falling out of the sauna, basically doing anything but cut the weight. He even ended up face down, naked by the pool, and you know he was there for a while because the cameraman really lined up that shot. Cutting weight is obviously horrible, but he was given no sympathy by any of his team, especially not Dana. I mean, everyone basically laughed at him. With three pounds left, he fell off the bike, out of the sauna, and Gray literally had to army drag him across the floor. Despite pleading with his team to... Put me back in, coach. Put me back in. If you want to go back in, stand up and walk back in. They had had enough. He went to the hospital to get an IV, and when he came back, Dana lit him up. You know, I don't know what you want to do with your life. This is what you really want to do. But, bro, you f blew it. Number one, Andy Wang warrior. At this point, the story of Andy Wang needs to get told on this channel because you guys have been turning him into a meme since we started making videos. You want to hear about one of the finest warriors who ever graced the ultimate fighter octagon? Well, okay, but... You know what they say, fortune cookies, be careful for what you wish for, man. Andy was on BJ's team in season five, and generally, despite having a black belt in BJJ, he was there to do one thing, throw down and be a warrior. But that was a problem because everyone, I mean like everyone on his team, wanted him to just take Brandon Melendez down. I mean, BJ straight up looks him in the face and asks, honestly, are you going to take him down? Don't worry, coach, I'm going to listen. Thank you. No, you're not, Andy. No, you're not. He stood and traded with Brandon for two rounds while BJ was literally losing his mind cage side, begging him to take it to the ground. And he gave everything he could. But he wasn't the new Bruce Lee. And we saw a true warrior break down in tears in the octagon. <laughs> BJ couldn't have given less of a shit, to be honest. There's no reason to be sad because you decided what you wanted to do when you went out there, man. <laughs> As if things couldn't get any worse as well, a couple of days later, BJ called him out in front of the entire gym and basically just kicked him off the team. You haven't been giving me 100%. You haven't listened to what we've been trying to teach you or respected anything we said this whole time. You're out, you're out of here, Wang. Go. Yeah, he just straight up told him it was a waste of fucking time. Jens accepted him onto his team, but incredibly, Andy wasn't even sure if he wanted to join. And then he sort of sat there umming and ahhing about it while Dana was thinking, this is fucking insane. He's a fucking coach. Their team has accepted you. I'd fucking throw that jersey on so fucking fast his head would spin. Andy stayed on the show, and I'm pretty sure even now, no one could convince him he isn't one of the deadliest warriors on the planet. People, when they see Andy Wang, they don't say, oh, he's a punk. He's like, they say, hey, man, this is a warrior. <laughs> All right, before you go, got a very special announcement. A new contestant on the new series of The Ultimate Fighter. It's Luke Taylor. Yeah, go on, give him a round of applause. I told him to edit this video to get some experience and some research in, but I think he's done a good job. So you can follow him on social media at calltome underscore if you agree. Ben Rosette not only wrote the intro theme for this video, but I hear he's writing the new Ultimate Fighter theme song as well. Won't be a substitute for the modern warrior, I tell you that. All right, who do you think was the craziest, most lunatic person ever to walk inside the Ultimate Fighter? Personally, I think it's that bloody coach that GSP brought on. You know, that drunk guy? Anyway, doesn't matter about that. Comment below, let us know. Give us a like if you enjoyed the video. And a subscribe, of course, that goes a long way. Thank you very much for appreciating the content. I've been Balian. I guess we'll uh, see you in the next one. Goodbye.